Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode kicks off a new series called Housing, What's Next? A mini-series sponsored by Black Knight and hosted by Housing Wire's assistant editor of Content Solutions, Jordan White. In today's episode, White is joined by Andy Walden, Vice President of Market Research at Black Knight, and Mike Sklars, Managing Director of the Collateral Analytics Division, part of Black Knight. During the interview, Walden and Scarls discuss the future of the housing market and what lenders should know as they prepare for 2022. Well, thank you for listening, and here's our episode. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. My name is Jordan White, and I'm an assistant editor with Housing Wire. Today, I'm joined by Andy Walden, VP of Market Research at Black Knight, and Mike Sklartz, Managing Director of the Collateral Analytics Division, part of Black Knight. In this sponsored episode of Housing Wire Daily, we'll be discussing what the future of housing looks like, specifically focusing on housing inventory, interest rates, and overall affordability. It's so nice to have you both here today. Thank you for joining us on Housing Wire Daily. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Before we dive into today's topic, can you both tell us a bit more about yourselves and how you got to where you are today? Mike, let's start with you. I started working in the real estate analytics and valuation space uh, a number of years ago, where I was asked to set up a a new research department for a large uh, residential real estate brokerage company in Honolulu, where I'm located. And uh, this was actually uh, pre-internet days. So we built a database of historical home sales and prices from the uh, local MLS data, which we were downloading each day. And and we were motivated by uh, the idea of bringing more transparency and objective data to the real estate market in general and, and to our sales agents and clients in, in particular, who had historically uh, operated in, in, for the most part, an information vacuum in the real estate space. Uh, the thinking was that the home purchase or sale is, is a big ticket item, and uh, it made no sense that these participants, whether they're buyers, sellers, lenders, home builders, or whoever, did not have the uh, best possible information. And then this original initiative evolved into a, a nationwide platform and nationwide automated valuation analytic tools for both residential and commercial real estate. And uh, these products were eventually developed by uh, Clara Analytics, uh, which is a company that I founded and ran for 10 years before being acquired by Black Knight uh, last year. This is Andy. I took a, a little bit different journey through the market than liked it. I, I got kind of the, uh, took the interesting path of seeing all different sides of the Great Recession as it kind of built up and, and ran off. I, Worked in due diligence underwriting, kind of in the early to mid 2000s, underwriting loans being sold into mortgage-backed securities, and we all kind of know what the credit quality of those types of loans was at that point in time. I moved over to credit risk and repurchase review during kind of the height of the Great Recession, and then worked in default mortgage servicing as a lot of those loans made their way through the foreclosure process and on the bank's portfolios as well. So kind of that interesting view of all different sides of how that last recession built up and, and kind of played out. Uh, over the last eight years, I've led the research team here at Black Knight. I've kind of had the enviable position of getting to play in the Black Knight sandbox, play with a lot of the data sets that, that Mike and his team built, that collateral analytics data that's 
more valuable now than ever looking at real-time movement in the real estate market, what's going on with inventories in the MLS, what's going on with public record sales, and then into our mortgage performance data and looking at kind of the forbearance fallout that has taken shape from the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. It's always interesting to hear how people wind up in the mortgage industry. You know, it's one of those industries where it's like, nobody knows or nobody kind of wanted to get into it as a kid, but we're all into it. So it's kind of like, how does that happen? Okay, great. So to start out today's interview, I'd like to focus on the market. The past couple of years, we've witnessed a housing market unlike any other in history. We all know that Black Knight has perhaps the best and farthest reaching real estate and mortgage data in our industry. What can you tell us about how this all came to be? If you really look at the lead up into the last 18 months or so, for the decade prior to 2020, we'd really been experiencing a very robust housing market. It was driven by strong income growth, strong economic growth, historically strong affordability levels as well. I mean, if you look at where we were in 2012, the housing market kind of overcorrected coming out of the last recession. So we had seen some buildup uh, in, in the decade leading up to 2020. And then the pandemic hit the mortgage market, right? And it was really a tale of two stories from a supply side and a demand side as we came out of kind of those early lockdowns of the pandemic. And sellers came out a little bit weary, right? The home seller came out. We saw very, very low listing volumes. People were really unsure if it was a good time to list their homes for sale. They didn't want folks traipsing through their homes if they were uh, listed on the market. And so we really saw this undersupply build just simply due to existing home sellers not going out there and listing their homes in 2020 like they traditionally would. Um, on the other side of the coin, you saw a buy side of the equation where buyers came out and they were in a completely new landscape as well, right? They weren't as tied into office buildings as they had been in the past. Um, they were looking at historically strong levels of affordability as interest rates really fell down to record lows. And you saw a lot more mobility out there in the buy side of the market. Great time to invest. And so we saw this massive increase in demand that was met by an undersupply in the housing market. And those have really been clashing against each other for the last 18 months. And that's really why we've seen record levels of home price growth out there in the market. We've seen the average home price increase in, in value by about 27% since February of 2020 because of that increase in demand and in undersupply of housing out there in the market. Yeah, those are great points, Andy, and definitely something our audience can relate to. You know, all of us have seen just how much the market has evolved in the last 18 months due to this lack of housing supply. You know, um, going off that, I'd love to get your thoughts on the current state of the market in terms of home prices and sales trends. Is there any insight you can give us on what the coming months may bring? Uh, this is Mike. Yeah, so home prices, as Andy mentioned, have uh, experienced significant increases in the past year um, as the pandemic led to. This new theme of work from home and, and the corresponding desire for uh, larger homes and more space in general. This all came uh, on top of an ongoing shortage of available inventory, homes for sale prior to the pandemic, which only became worse as more people chose not to move and expand or re retool their existing homes rather than moving. Uh, unfortunately, we don't really see how this inventory situation is going to improve in a meaningful way anytime soon. The large increases in prices that Andy mentioned uh, is, is, is extraordinary, and uh, they're not sustainable on, on that double-digit level uh, uh, indefinitely. So, so we do expect a slowing in prices, but um, I think the most likely scenario is a slowing or leveling off over the coming year or two and, and not any meaningful decline in prices. So uh, this tight market and, and very favorable interest rate environment is going to 
continue to support uh, the, the current price of levels in our opinion. Yeah. And you know, Mike, you just touched on inventory and I'd love to kind of dig a bit deeper into that. What role has inventory played in creating the current market dynamic? Are we starting to dig out of the hole we've been in, or do you think we'll go too far and see a sudden influx of properties drive down home values? Well, as, as we discussed, the low levels have, have played a really important role in, in these recent market dynamics. And, and uh, like I said, normally you'd have a, a sort of a flow of homes coming on the market and people moving up or down and to bigger homes or smaller homes. And, uh, and, and that, you know, the net result of that is at least freeing up inventory for sale. But, but with this current environment, um, people chose really say, I'm not going to move. And it's become so much of a feedback loop where no one moves, then no more inventory comes on the market. So, so it's, uh, it's quite a unique situation. Uh, the, the low mortgage rates have only made the homes more affordable, as, as Andy mentioned. Even with the large price increases, some of the work we've done has shown that the actual monthly payment on the typical home has not really changed that much uh, over the last 20 years. So, so the actual monthly payment. So, so the, the big challenge for home buyers is not necessarily the monthly payment. It's can you come up with the down payment, the requisite down right. payment. So uh, that, that, that's really the, been the bigger challenge. Um, now, the low inventory levels, uh, we've actually written about this in a market blog that we, we've been putting on the Black Knight website in the past year, can really be traced to the, the Great Recession of, of the mid-2000s. And um, and the fact that home construction has has really never recovered from those low levels after the Great Recession, and and so even at the peak that we're running now, we're only sort of at the low levels of prior cycles of, of home building. So um, th- this, I think, has really exacerbated the whole situation, and really is you know primary factor in these low inventory levels that everybody's wrestling with. Yeah, if you look beyond that at where the potential inventory could come from, I think Mike touched on one, right? New build activity and the potential coming from there. I think the other two sectors that folks are looking at are existing homeowners and their likelihood of listing homes for sale, and we've seen those numbers continue to run at below pre-pandemic levels. So I don't see a massive influx there here over the next couple of months, although that could kind of slowly normalize here as we move into 2022. And the other place that a lot of folks are looking for potential inflow of inventory is coming out of that distressed mortgage population as well. We know we have one and a quarter million loans still in forbearance plans among borrowers that haven't been making mortgage payments in recent months. A lot of that exit activity is slated to take place here um, towards the tail end of 2021. And so I think a lot of folks are looking at that area. Could we see some potential distressed inflow or potential homeowners that just can't return to making mortgage payments? Maybe they haven't returned to working yet. They may be listing their homes for sale. I, mean, I think the the short answer there, when you start to look at the overall numbers, right? we're still short hundreds of thousands of, of active loans out there on the market right now. And when you look at that in comparison to the number of loans in forbearance and the performance of those loans coming out of for, forbearance, I don't think that that's something that's going to kind of tip the scales in the opposite direction. I don't see us coming up with an oversupply of inventory like we did in the Great uh, Great Recession, right? We could see some much needed inflow there, but I don't think it's going to even out the balance, let alone kind of oversupply the market with, with homes coming on. Right. And of course, you know, both inventory and rates have a direct impact on home prices, which in turn affect affordability. Is housing as unaffordable as many people think? Yeah, and it's it's certainly become more so over the last <laughs> last right. year, right? If if you look at just the mortgage payment needed to buy the average home in the market, you compare where we were entering 2021 to where we were today. Buying the same average home today 
cost you $250 more per month in mortgage payments than it did nine months ago. That's a 23% increase in your monthly mortgage payment to buy the same house that you were buying less than less than 12 months ago. So we certainly have seen affordability tighten up over the last year or so, both because of rising home prices and because of rising interest rates. But if you look at affordability from a longer term context, right? you look at where home prices and interest rates are today compared to where incomes are, housing is still relatively affordable, right? We're at a point where the housing market should begin to slow down, right? When we've reached this level of affordability in recent years, the housing market has started to cool off. That's battling against those low inventory levels that are keeping home price growth higher than it otherwise would be. But I think relatively speaking, and right, and there are a few exceptions across the country, but relatively speaking, housing is still relatively affordable. Um, I think the broader question is how do we move forward through the next couple of years without affordability tightening up too much, right? If we look at home price growth rates right now, we're still seeing double digit home price growth. If you look at the interest rate dynamic and interest rate forecasts out there in the market, the Fed is starting to talk about tapering off their bond buying. They're starting to talk about raising short-term interest rates later next year, uh, which should result in, in kind of modestly rising 30-year interest rates over the next couple of years, which will further tighten affordability. So it's not so much where we're at today, so much as how do we move forward over the next couple of years without that affordability picture tightening up too much. Right. And those are great points. You know, a lot of our listeners right now are actively making plans for 2022. I'd like to ask, you know, both you and Andy this, what steps do they need to be taking today to best capitalize on the current market? Yeah, and I guess I can go here first, Mike, and then I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. But um, from my side, I think the unfortunate thing, right? And I, well, let's start good news first here. Good news is we could right. start to see inventory start to, start to normalize a little bit more over the next couple of years and give some more options and start to balance out supply and demand a little bit. The other side of that coin is when you look at the next couple of years and some of the tightening that we've seen in affordability, part of the reason that you're going to see less competition is because some bars are being weeded out by affordability, right? And for those folks that are being weeded out, obviously not a good thing. And for folks that are starting to face those pressures from rising interest rates and rising home prices over the next couple of years, you may have less competition, but your out-of-pocket mortgage payments are more expensive than they have been in last year. So not necessarily good news um, on that front. And if you look at how home buyers will likely kind of navigate the next couple of years, I think mobility is going to be a key thing, right? I think you're going to see borrowers that are maybe priced out of more expensive markets start to search elsewhere to participate in the housing market. And typically in cycles like this, the, the kind of central part of the country, much less reactive in, in terms of home price growth, much more affordable than what you're seeing in those coastal markets. And so you could kind of see that fluctuation back more towards central markets as well. Yeah. A couple thoughts um, on some of the opportunities. And, and of course, whenever you've had a huge price move like, like we have, it's always tricky to tell someone it's a great time to buy a home. But, but uh, you know, as Andy mentioned, it's, it's, it's probably not going to get much better, uh, particularly if interest rates go up. But in terms of some ideas, say for real estate brokers, if you've got a homeowner whose kids went off to college or moved out of the house and they might sell that larger home because they don't need it anymore, uh, it'd be a good time to cash in on that and then buy a you know, smaller home and, and then maybe bank some of the equity that they've got in that price differential. Uh, on the lender side, um, we see opportunities with uh, more HELOCs, home equity loans. And, and again, for someone, the homeowner who doesn't want to move like we've seen in the past year, people staying in place, but can tap into some of the significant equity that they have built up over the last year or several years. Uh, that this would be a good time to take advantage of that. So we, we think that might be an interesting opportunity for lenders in the in the coming year. 
And that, that's a big one that Mike just touched on that HELOC lending. I mean, we're seeing record levels of home price growth. Homeowners have $9.1 trillion of equity that they could borrow out there in the market. And you're already seeing the refinance market, even over the last couple of months, switch to a cash out heavy market. You're seeing a lot more talk about HELOCs, as Mike mentioned, than we have in recent years. So that's certainly from a lending perspective, from a borrowing behavior perspective, I think that's where we're heading in 2022. It's going to be a much more equity centric market than a rate centric market. Those are great points, especially as lenders start thinking about the new year. Being prepared for this shift from a rate-centric market to an equity-centric market can help them put strategies in place that'll benefit borrowers. Well, Andy and Mike, I'd like to say thank you both for joining us on Housing Wire Daily. Listeners, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.